Hey there, language lovers. Shannon Kennedy here to invite you to a special episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. In this episode, I'm co-hosting with Elizabeth Bruckner, a fellow language lover and my co-coach of the Fluent in Three Months Challenge. We're chatting with Lindsay Williams and Kirsten Cable about an event that's very near and dear to my heart because along with Lindsay and Kirsten, I'm one of the co-founders. This event is Women in Language, and we're chatting about how it got started, what it's all about, and are inviting you to join us at the 2020 event. And if you enjoy this episode, please leave us a review. We appreciate all of the reviews left recently. It makes a big difference and helps us reach a wider audience. If you're finding this podcast interesting or helpful, please let us know what's working for you at languagehacking.com slash review. We really appreciate hearing from you, and we read every review. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com slash 14. Now, on to Women in Language and our chat with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Williams. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. My name is Shannon Kennedy and I'm your host. Today with me, I actually have a different host than usual and Elizabeth will be co-hosting this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast with me today because we're doing something a little bit different. On this episode, we actually have several guests because we're going to talk about a very special online event called Women in Language. So on today's episode, our guests are Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Williams. So let's just jump right in. And Elizabeth, do you want to ask any questions first or should we just have Kristen and Lindsay go ahead and tell us a little bit about women in language? I am so excited to hear what they have to say about women in language that I will hold my questions until later in the episode. All right, Lindsay, Kristen. Okay, so I guess we'll start at the beginning. Um, (laughs) So women in language started back in November 2017. I was walking back from Walmart in Merida in Mexico and I said to my husband, you know, I'm thinking of this thing for International Women's Day. Wouldn't it be cool if we just had like an online day where we had lots of female language people talking about stuff? Wouldn't that be great? And he said, yeah, that would be pretty cool. And I told the idea to Kirsten and I told the idea to Shannon and we decided to make it happen. And so that's what happened. That was the first event in uh, March 2018, coinciding with International Women's Day. The second event was March 2019. And this year we are hosting in September 2020 for the third main event. And it's online, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Always been online, like even pre-COVID, ahead of the times. <laughs> <laughs> so the motto for women in language is to champion and amplify uh, the lesser heard voices in the language learning realm. So Kirsten, do you want to kind of explain that and what the goal of women in language is? Certainly, yes. Women in language was really something that I think came out of us looking around and seeing seeing the language learning space and the polyglot space, which celebrates the achievements of, you know, successful entrepreneurs, successful language learners. The, the whole idea of the polyglot, there's brilliance in there. There's this kind of feeling that there is something truly special in that person. And what we, what 
how that translates, sometimes what happens in society, because the way we're socialized is that men tend to be more comfortable putting themselves in that space and claiming a little bit of that feeling of, yeah, you know, I'm doing this well. Whereas as women, we're a little bit more hesitant to say we're doing anything well, really, <laughs> sometimes. So the way that we we saw that all translate, the way that we see that come out, and I think still sometimes it can happen, is that when you have an event and you're asking people to put themselves forward and to speak about their own language learning expertise, you end up with a slightly skewed field of speakers and expert speakers. And I'm, I'm so sorry. She's a woman too. She gets to speak. <laughs> Yay, Abby Cat. I do apologize. So, so you end up with this slightly skewed field, which translates into what sometimes we know as a manual, you know, so expert speaking panels, which are made up of men and language learning is by far not the only space where this happens. So as a, for, for us as, as women in this space, and I'm sure this goes for other people who aren't regularly represented, who don't see themselves represented, the feeling comes up that there's something that could be done better here. There's something that could be done differently. And what better way to you know, there's, there's no point in criticizing anything. There's no point in constantly looking at something that you want improving and just moaning about it. So luckily we three seem to have it in common that we're all women of action and we put women in language together as this space. And what it translated to almost instantly is something that gives you fresh perspectives, fresh voices, a speaker lineup that you've never seen up before, seen that way before, because it's really easy if you just put together the language conference. I mean, we're on the language hacking podcast, right? And that is built on Benny's platform. So if you're in this space, you normally would go, we've got to have Benny Lewis. He's awesome. As soon as you stop yourself from having any guys, the first five or six people that come to mind aren't coming anymore. And speaking, hopefully they're coming. And instead you're looking at a network of fresh voices and you end up putting people on the stage. And for us three, we've done a lot of work. We have these platforms. We're starting to share these platforms with the bigger community and putting people on the stage that have never spoken before. And in that way, slowly, hopefully changing the landscape and changing what people think of their own capabilities so that this can progress, this can filter down and we really are changing the level the world is represented. You really changed my mindset as a speaker. Um, I was a huge fan of The Fluent Show. Um, I, you, you all are younger than me, but I grew up listening to you in my language journey. And so I remember the only community I had was my one friend in real life and Kirsten. Like I would just write Kirsten questions for the podcast. That was it. That was my community. I got and so many when, emails going, I'm chopping <laughs> vegetables and listening to you. That's right. That's right. And what I found is you actually as as the conference event coordinators, you reach out to speakers. You're not just asking us to solicit. And let me tell you, I would never have put my name in the hat at that when I was asked, never. And when you wrote me and said, would you like to speak? I remember going, yes, of course, I love you guys because the episodes with Lindsay and Top Tools, Spring and Summer, was like, I hope I don't get copyright infringement for this, for singing this. I think if you're here, I won't get in trouble. We'll let you off. 
thank you, thank you. But you know, I grew up with that. The the episode with Shannon and how to read in a foreign language. These things are so important. I wanted to be a part of it. And my email said, just so you know, I'm not an expert. Just so you know, I'm only lower intermediate. Just so you know, I'm not a teacher. Do you remember that? Do you remember that email? Kirsten? This is so common. This You are not the only one. Every year that we reach out to speakers, and I think this is, you know, this is the whole thing about not having an open call for papers. Women are really good at talking themselves out of stuff. Really good at talking themselves out of an opportunity. And I think it's important to add to that as well. Women in language, it's never been a criticism of other language events. We've all been to those events. We all love those events. It's not that. It's more a case of like you say, it's it's the call for speakers and actually something we've been very firm in doing differently from the start is actually finding speakers ourselves, reaching out to people that we admire, that we see and go, yes, I want to hear what you have to say. You know, I don't care how many Instagram followers you have, how many letters you have after your name. I'm intrigued. Talk to us, you know, and, and raising those voices. And Kirsten, who handles all our, our speakers and, and does all the sort of management of that side of things, um, will always come to us in the meetings and say, oh, okay, so this person's put forward their talk, this person, yep, yep. I've had this person say to me that, um, you know, they're not sure what to talk about and they're not even sure if this is a good topic, but they've got this great topic they've suggested. And every single year it is that same thing. So, yeah, definitely you're not mm-hmm. the only one there, Elizabeth. And some of the speakers are new. I've learned how to, I, I had zero Instagram followers because I did not have an Instagram account and I was not interested in getting more social media into my life. And then I saw Elfin's talk the first year and it rocked my world. It was all about, um, having an Instagram account solely for language learning. So I do want to ask this because we might talk a little bit about some of the amazing talks. For the years that have passed, if you buy a ticket for this event, you have access to the other events. How does that work? Or you do not have access to those talks? You have access, you have the option to access the previous year. So this year, when you buy your Women in Language ticket, you can also, um, while you're waiting for Women in Language 2020 to start, you can purchase a Women in Language 2019 at a discounted price and watch the talks from that previous year. So that is an option. Um, and you will be able to access those talks from last year. I highly recommend that. <laughs> I also kind of want to bring it back to the speakers because, uh, We touched on it, but I I really kind of want to bring this up again because we do have a slightly different approach to the way that we select our speakers. Um, A lot of the time, these conferences have, as Kristen and Lindsay said, calls for papers where people actively submit a talk and then those who are running the event select the speakers, whereas Kristen, Lindsay and I reach out to speakers. And what ends up happening is rather than like the same people who typically apply for those events, uh, we're reaching out to people that you might not have ever heard from because we're not just looking inside like the immediate language learning polyglot circle. We contact people who uh, work in the academic realm. We contact people who, um, you know, work with organizations that support indigenous languages, that support um, language communities outside of the language learning realm as well. So Kristen or Lindsay, do you want to kind of talk about some of the tracks that we have and some of the Mm. talks and speakers maybe? Yeah, just a word about 
the, the curation approach that we take with feminine language um, over the years, now we're in our third year, it's also worth mentioning that it's not just our own networks as three people, but the community of attendees and communities of speakers really get actively involved in nominating speakers as well. So every year I feel, I, like Lindsay said, I coordinate our speakers. Every year I feel that we're, co we're creating a wider net, we're casting a wider net and we're bringing in new voices. So two of the tracks that we have this year there's a there's a new one for 2020 we're giving it a go and it's called language and all the fields but that's about language and psychology a little bit about we've got to talk about shyness we have a, a, a talk with a very intriguing title ditch the apology how to stop apologizing for your language levels we've got something in there uh, we've got several ways of you know perspectives on overcoming self-doubt of expressing and claiming and redefining your identity in another language. So for those of us who want to bring more introspection to language learning, we've got a lot on women in language this year. And I've noticed a trend as well with our speakers is that very fitting for 2020, super exciting. We've got quite a bunch of, a good bunch of activists as well and perspectives on language and activism, which is a great continuation from last year where we talked a lot about indigenous languages. So those are two trends slash tracks very exciting we've got a couple of dream teams what we've dubbed dream teams as well and i've finished uh, doing the graphics this morning and i'm like i'm sticking with that i'm going with dream team <laughs> so we've got we've got our italian dream team um which is sylvia elfin who you mentioned previously from the 2018 talk and uh barbara who all host a podcast together in italian for italian learners so they'll be talking about that we've got our what i've dubbed the mindfulness dream team which is uh maria ortega garcia and Jessica from um, French Sunnyside and we've got what I've dubbed the Quechua Dream Team which is um, Elva and Jessica from the Quechua Collective in New York so that's uh, that's another kind of angle we've gone down this year is you know we've had a couple of people now like Elfin and, and Maria both previously spoke and we want to make sure we still have space for for fresh and new speakers and we thought okay let's let's see how we can how we can still share what they have to say as well. And then in terms of participation, I think that this conference differs from other conferences for two reasons in terms of participation. One is for highly sensitive people like myself, conferences are exhausting. They're loud. There's lots of people talking at the same time. Uh, I just kind of try to go off into a corner and get a quiet space every single time. I'm, there's bright fluorescent lighting. With a, an online conference, you can be in charge of your own lighting. Um, the other part of the participation is as an introvert person, the chat room is hopping during these um, during these talks. So it's not just the, that is the conference room like that in that hallway where everyone talks. That is what's happening. And what I tend to do is I get so excited about the chat and I make new friends in the chat that I have to go back and watch the talk again to make sure that I've gotten everything. But you can because it's recorded. And I found that even one of my introverted friends was like, I'm not going in the chat room. That's too scary. And I'm like, you have no idea. These women these creators have created this safe place. So I don't know if I'm sure all of you have listened to a conference on um, YouTube. And at the end, those questions sometimes are so annoying. You know, like, so you said that to get from point A to point B, you can only go through X, Y, Z. And I believe, and you know, it's just these people pontificating on what their ideas are. And I feel like the questions in women and language are 
it's like I'm, I've been listening and I actually want to be a part of this conference. I don't need to explain to you how I think you did it wrong. And that's such a fresh, a, a breath of fresh air. What do you, how did you, how did you all create that? Do you know, I think part of that specific point is that because it's online and because the chat room is there throughout the session, you know, when you're at a live conference and you have a question pop into your head, you either have to write it down at the moment to remember to ask it at the end, if you get a chance to ask it at all, you know, like you say, in amongst all the, not really a question, more of a comment, but all of those (laughs) that inevitably happen, but you, you can write it in the, in the chat at the time that it pops into your head. And that's helpful because then, you know, generally there's um, the speaker and then there'll be one of us kind of managing the chat, keeping, keeping tabs on the questions that come through so that we can save those questions to ask at the end as well. So I think that's something that, that helps is that one of us is always there, almost basically listening in to your thoughts at the same time as the talk is going on in, in real time, not just for a few minutes at the end. Yeah. yeah, there's usually two of us there. We have one person who's moderating and helping the speaker and we have another person who is in the chat. And both of us that are there at that particular talk are in the chat. So we kind of are able to create like a checks and balances system to make sure that nothing is missed, that the participants feel included, that the part we we even ask the participants questions as the talk is going on. So something comes up and we ask, OK, what do you think about this? And then sometimes we'll share that feedback with the speaker, which is a little bit more interactive than some of the talks that you'd go to in person because one person is up there and they may involve the audience. They may not involve the audience. They um, get up there, they do their speech, and then you have to hold your questions until the end. Whereas with women in language, what we've gone to try and do is to get you involved as a participant to, you know, make your voice as an attendee heard as well. It's not just, we're not just you know, spotlighting these incredible speakers. We're also spotlighting you as an attendee and getting, you know, your thoughts, your voice in the chat, getting your participation heard, um, including you, welcoming you into the community of language learning. So that's it. You know, we like to kind of just make sure even, and even when we're not either moderating the chat or, you know, helping the speaker out on the technical side and then handing them the questions and things, we're probably, we're showing up to the talks as as well as participants and jumping into the chat and joining because I mean, that's when you host an event like this, it's. That's when we take our snack breaks. Yes. So we'll be (laughs) one or two of us live actively making sure everything's going down correctly. And then the other one like, okay, this is my snack time. (laughs) I, I feel like it's a learning circle. Um, Shannon, like I remember you were in the, the chat with me a few times and I would ask a question and the participants were answering. So we were, we were gaining information together. It felt like a tribe. It, it felt like a true community. And I created friendships that lasted from my first women in language. I couldn't wait to come back to the second because it was like a reunion. And then I was able to connect with them on my Instagram language account. One one thing I want to add to the the live chat that the Lindsay's reflection I think is really true that you know you can you don't have that pent up commentary that you get with a live conference where you've had this thought in your mind for half an hour and then by the time your your six, six seconds to shine come you're like oh, not a question more of a comment and everybody just dies right so that doesn't happen so much and I think there's also a real advantage to Women in language, something we chose to do from the start. When we started this, there was a model of online conferences that was more built around free access for everyone. You pay extra for the recordings. We chose with women in language 
to charge for access, but include the recordings. And what that creates in the chat room is you don't have to split your attention or put it in any one specific place. You don't have to worry that you can't go back and review a thing that you've missed. You have free access and you're always able to go back and review as many times as you wish. And the other chat room rule that we instigated that I'm proud of our attendees for really sticking with, and I'm so pleased that we have every year, is we don't encourage, or we actually actively discourage anybody posting a link where people would click and go away. So we try to keep the attention on what's happening on the community and on the speaker in that moment, which I think is probably more respectful to speakers in many ways. And it works so well. Something else, because uh, we keep bringing this up and I, I want to touch on it and give it the attention that it deserves. And that's like the comment. It's like, excuse me, I actually want to tell you that your talk is wrong kind of comment. Or I just want to share like my story. I think because of the way that women in language happens when questions like that, well, not questions, those not questions happen at events. What ends up happening is that the speaker feels immediately that they need to defend themselves and they need to like validate and prove themselves. And that's not a really good position to put a speaker in. Like maybe if you go and you have a personal one-on-one discussion with the speaker after to say like, hey, here's my story. Hey, here's like my thought and my opinion on this. But the way that we spotlight these speakers at Women in Language is we give them the opportunity to share their perspective, share their research, share their stories without making them feel like they have to defend those stories. So it's like, and it's an open platform where people get to share without having to feel defensive without having to feel torn down it's very positive it's very uplifting and it's the same with the chat you know Kirsten said that we discourage you from sharing links and it's not because we're trying to discourage you it's because we're again we're trying to keep the focus on the speakers and the event and we have a Facebook community where if you really want to share that link you can go over there during the event and share those sorts of things or you know you can talk about non-event things there because again it's a community so we want people collaborating in the sort of way. But during the talks, we want, you know, to give the speakers the spotlight and to make sure that they're the focus during that period. Um, And, you know, one of the things that we don't want to do is to kind of create that environment where, you know, people are trying to one up one another, people are trying to outsmart one another, people are trying to, um, you know, take away from whatever someone else is contributing at that time, whether it's the talk or it's the conversation in the community. Yeah, we're really softening, um, you know, because it's a tender place to be first asked as a new speaker to speak and to be vulnerable. Like language learning is really it's a vulnerable place. It takes a lot of courage to learn languages. Why? Because if you're even 50 percent articulate in your native language, you're not going to be any any percent articulate, zero percent articulate in your second language when you start. And that's a scary place. It's it's difficult to move forward and then to be asked to speak on top of it. You know, if, for instance, you had asked me, like, you know, could you please show me your certificate for speaking at a B1 level? I, you know, I'd have been like, OK, no, <laughs> I, I won't be able to do that. And instead, it was this open like, what do you have to share? Bring it to the fire. Let's talk about it. Let's look at it. Let's Let's learn. And that brings me to transformative moments in language learning. So because you're all the event planners, that you're, you're still showing up. Have there been any transformative moments in language learning for you? I know, Lindsay, you had talked about during my talk, you like how to get less screen time and kind of get more bang for your buck. Can you share about 
what happened for you in that in that moment? Yeah. So it was your talk and it was all about language exchange, right? And um, and I was watching, I'm thinking, oh, this is good. This is kind of the missing piece for me, you know. It's it's good when I'm learning a language to have a tutor, but I don't need that all the time. But I do need more contact on a more regular basis. So I think it was towards the end of the session when I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be brave. I'm gonna go for this. So I posted in the chat, right, okay, I'm doing it. These are the languages I'd want to practice. Does anyone want to do a language exchange? And um, a couple of people got back to me. And one of them in particular has, has lasted up until now. At the minute we're on a break because um, she's just moved back to, to the US. But yeah, we've, we've met most weeks. And we, although she's a native English speaker, we actually have the exchange in German and in Spanish because um, she's like so good at, at German. And, um, and that's helped me so much to just feel like I can actually go, ha ah, and just speak German on the cuff, even if I'm going to make mistakes, even if I'm going to get it wrong, you know, having had that regular input and connection with the language. And, um, yeah, last summer around about this time last year, we actually got the chance to meet because she was, although she was studying in Germany, she had like a summer placement working in Spain and I went on holiday to Spain. And so we were able to meet up in Seville and we had a nice drink together and it was great then to, to meet in person and, you know, from women in language and specifically from your talk, Elizabeth as well, which was really, really cool. Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing the picture of you two meeting up on Instagram and I was so excited because um, as I talked about in language and in the talk, language exchanges, they if you're doing it long term, it becomes some beautiful friendships like surprise. I thought that like this was a transaction. You know, same thing with conferences. You go, you pay your money, you go, and then you leave. But what I'm finding with women in language, what I'm finding with language exchanges is that it's transformative. It's, it's a relationship. You're having a relationship. I felt like I had a relationship with all the attendees that were in the chat room laughing with me and asking questions and being curious. And then to see it actually come to a face-to-face meeting. I have to ask you, because the first time that I met a language exchange partner in person, I was a little bit teary-eyed. Like I was like touched. It had been two years. How did you feel? Were you nervous coming showing up? I think I was probably a little bit nervous. Yeah. Like thinking... It's almost, even though you have like video chat every week, you still, you know, I watch a lot of catfish, you know, with Neven Max. <laughs> and so there's still that bit of you that thinks, what if this is like the most elaborate catfish ever? <laughs> you know, att- paying to attend an online conference to <laughs> speak for a year. But no, yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of nerves naturally, but it was, it was great. As soon as she arrived and we were chatting, it was just like, when we chatted online, you know, I mean, we spoke in English when we met, my, my husband was there. So, so we were talking in English, you know, out of fairness, so we could all understand, but yeah, it was, it was really, really great. And I hope someday we can uh, meet up again in real life too. That was so cool. That was just such a, it felt like a, a gift to, to watch it. And it wouldn't have happened had Kirsten not asked me to speak and told me that you can be an expert. And then you took the plunge and asked. Right. Exactly. So women in language, um, it's a conference only for women, right? Where we get together and we burn brawls and we say chants, right? Is that, Kirsten, is that what we do? 
it's we actually talk about women's stuff so there's a there's a thing about having having your period in another language and then we've got this like three hour symposium on um, childcare and housework uh no no <laughs> women in language is open to everyone so it's a woman organized conference where we have non-male speakers throughout we've got women as our speakers women in our panels womanals as i call them but in terms of ticket sales, they're, they're open to everybody. What we what we want to share with the world is not exactly restricted. And also, this is I think this is important. The way that the, the things that our speakers speak about, the way that our topics are angled. Um, I have had somebody come back to me who is a male speaker who who automatically sort of it can what can not speaker um, attendee. What can happen is that when you see something is woman organized and woman led, you assume that they're talking about, I don't know, something that, that happens to be woman stuff, but woman stuff is everyone's stuff and everyone's stuff is woman's stuff. And we're into languages and that's what we talk about at Women in Language. So it's absolutely open. We invite and we are excited for people to attend. And in the past, I think we've seen our male attendees really contribute to the discussion in the chat room and add their own perspective in a valuable, respectful way. You just mentioned something that I want to bring up since we haven't talked about it yet, and that's the panels. So this year we have two panels. And uh, Lindsay, do you want to talk a bit about what those are going to be? Yeah, so one panel is all about heritage languages and the intricacies that come along with that. So we've got three of our speakers. And um, as we were kind of looking around and finding people, I was like, ooh, you guys have something in common. So we've got Esther, who is learning Basque or has learned Basque, I should say, um, which was her heritage. She's American. We've got Desta, who is learning Amharic. And we've got um, uh, Marissa learning Polish as well. So quite different perspectives that I'm, I'm looking forward to to digging into and to finding out what that's like. Because, you know, me, I, I can't speak for that at all. You know, English, English heritage, English monolingual family, all of that stuff just English 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 and <laughs> so it's nice to be able to hear from other voices on that and to hear that perspective you know it's not quite the same I imagine so we'll find out about that and Kirsten you're hosting the second panel as well yes I'm hosting how to build confidence as a language expert which I want to dig more into this this thing that I mentioned earlier where I've noticed women are really good at talking themselves out of stuff and dig a little bit more into how maybe we can talk ourselves into stuff. So I've got Sarah Maria Hasboon, who is a company CEO of her own company and, you know, travels the world. So has a lot to contribute. I've got Lena Vasquez, young, but in incredibly confident, at least from what I can see on social media and she studies psychology. She's, she's got a lot of interesting perspectives to contribute. And finally, we will have Emma Green, who is from the, well, I don't even know what the publishing is called. She's from John Murray, um, but they, they're known for publishing all the Teach Yourself books. So I wanted a sort of gatekeeper's perspective, I guess, uh, to, to talk a little bit more around that. So that, that'll be the second panel, which, like I said, it's about building confidence. What can we do? Do we all feel insecure? And how do we, how do we deal with that? How do we get over it? So in total, the event this year has more than 30 speakers between the panelists, the dream teams, and our individual speakers. There's 34, correct? Or did 32? I think it's 29. Really? I'm not sure. <laughs> it's hard to None count because know. of all the dream teams. So we've yes. got 28, I believe, 
having done the schedule, I think we've got 28 talks out of which we've got dream teams. So that's a plus one, plus one and plus two. So then we're on 32 and then we've got one extra panelist. So that brings us to 33. Okay. So we had more than 30. I was right when I said more than 30. Let's say circa. <laughs> don't, over 30, don't count. <laughs> There's over 30 speakers this year at Women in Language, and they're in a, as we mentioned, four different tracks. We have the dream teams, we have the uh, panels as well. Uh, there, we have a variety of topics being covered, everything from how to learn languages, how to live and work in languages, how to build confidence in languages. We also have like language stories, basically. So, you know, case studies and um, inspiring stories as Kirsten said, language in all the fields um, and things to get you inspired in your own studies and in your own language learning journey. And um, it's a four day event. So we have anywhere from, I believe, eight to 10 talks a day. It runs the hours vary per day, but essentially it is 8 a.m. BST to I believe 9 p.m. BST, depending on the day. So sometimes it starts a little bit later, the ends a little bit later. But um, it's going to be four incredible days, action-packed, lots of encouraging chat, many inspiring talks. And uh, you don't have to attend every single talk. So it's not something that like normal events where you have to take the four days off and do nothing else but attend the events. The great thing is, is these are all recorded. So you can attend a couple of talks each day or you can skip a day and then watch them later. It's totally up to you. It's totally flexible because when you buy your ticket, you get essentially lifetime access to that year's event and those talks. And um, of course... You can find out more information about all of this at womaninlanguage.com. And Lindsay, I see you want to add something? Yeah, and we have language exchange sessions. We've got two language exchange sessions happening as well for the first time this year, which I'm very excited about. So they'll be on Zoom. We'll open up breakout rooms for different languages. It's like a language meetup in a pub, but without the noise and the hustle and the bustle and the £7.50 drinks. Yeah, and the coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> None of that. Um, but there's... This is actually something that came from something else that Lindsay, Kristen, and I do together, which is Language League. And uh, in, as a part of Language League, every single week we hold what we call a speakeasy, which is where we all get together and we practice our languages. We do breakout rooms and you can come and say, hey, I want to practice this language, this language, or this language. And we put you into groups based on who else is learning what or you get to practice with Lindsay or Kirsten or I, if you happen to be the only one who wants to work on a language. and um, so we're going to do that same thing with women in language, which is going to be incredible because we have hundreds of attendees. So these could be potentially immense things where you get to chat and get to know lots of people and practice your languages. And it's just going to be incredible. And uh, the this the speakeasies are something that we've never done at Women in Language. So this is a first this year too. So if you attend this year, you'll get to do something that's not ever been done at a Women in Language event before. Um, so before we wrap up, uh, anything else that either of you would like to add about the event? No? All right. So the event is September 17th to the 20th. Kristen? There's a raffle. You can win prizes. Ah, yes, there is a raffle. You can win prizes. We've teamed <laughs> up with a lot of really great companies and some of our speakers are giving away stuff. Lindsay, Kristen, and I are giving away stuff. So your raffle comes with your ticket. It's not an additional thing that you have to enter. So when you get a ticket to Women in Language, you're automatically entered into the raffle and we'll be giving away three packages of awesome language products. So again, the event is September 17th to September 20th and you can find out more at womeninlanguage.com and of course, everything that we've mentioned in the episode 
episode will be in the show notes for this episode of the language happy, happy of the language hacking podcast. Happy podcast. It's a happy podcast, you guys. So language happy. hacking podcast. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Kristen and Lindsay. Thank you, Elizabeth, for co-hosting with me today. And thank if you you're so listening much. to this episode, in the meantime, happy language learning. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. This was great. Want to learn more about women in language and even get your ticket? You can learn more by checking out fluentin3months.com slash women dash in dash language. And of course, you can share your experiences at Women in Language or other language learning events with us over in the comments for this episode at languagehacking.com slash 14. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.